you ever been to a volcano? Women with a rugby? You're now listening to Super Bowl. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game. Super Bowl! It's pretty. It's so pretty. We just won a fucking ball! That's what you said, man. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about Super Hooper. Welcome to Super Hoopers, an inconsequential discussion of the week's NBA news. I'm your host, Matt Hill. With me, as always, is John Hill. John, hello. Welcome. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? man. You want LeBron? Do you want Ooh. LeBron? That's the big news. Ooh. Are the Sixers going to get LeBron? Ooh. Who's been on that train from day one? Are, have you been on that train? I've been on that train. No, but seriously, do you want him? I think you have to take him. I guess. Right? And and you know what's the funny thing that I it's shocking to me where there, where fans are like, we don't want the best player in the world because it'll taint this. You also realize, like, you know, Ben Simmons and Embiid will also still be around five years when, you know, LeBron retires. Right? It's like having David Robinson. He'll win you one, yeah. and then he'll go away, and then you'll still have, you know, Embiid, Fultz, Sarge, and Simmons to keep going. So. It's, it's not as fun, though, John. I mean, I've talked to a lot of my Warriors, uh, my Warriors fans' friends. And your warrior fans, friends, my friends that are warriors. That okay, are warrior good. Fans. Okay, that makes better. That yeah, that's better. I think maybe it worked. I don't know. We'll check the tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them say, you know, I kind of wish we never got Durant. Durant's different. They're like, oh, kind of was cooler without him. Durant was different because they were so great. Like, if we, this is the only time to get LeBron. Right. When we're a seventh seed, maybe we're gonna get bounced in the first round. Mm-hmm. Then you want LeBron. Because right. he puts you over the top. Right. It's if in three years we're in the finals and we lose in seven games, then you don't want LeBron. So All tell right. your warrior friends, fans, my neighbor fan friends, fan friendly uh-huh. fans. Yeah, that that you know whatever. Yeah. It's a little different. Um, but, All right. Um, so two episodes ago, it was my episode. I got to have a I got to have a a, a great Lakers guest. Now it's John's uh, turn. Um, we have a great guest. Um, from Philly, great Philly writer. From, oh, this is a great guest. From the Philly Voice, yeah, Kyle Newbeck, who wrote, he wrote like the definitive Markel Fultz piece. It, it really is. Like, it like blew up on the internet like everything. two weeks ago or something, kind of like a deep dive on everything that's been going on with Markel Fultz. And um, so we have him on. Yeah, I mean, he's he blew up. Uh, he's been on numerous podcasts. Mm-hmm. He was on NBA TV. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's the big deal. So we got him like two weeks, you know, after. Yeah, well, you know. It's it's a little different because like those guys are like one thing, uh-huh. but our pod is like the real thing, right? He right? gave you know I mean? he gave us the real information. He gave, yeah, NBA TV. He saved the scoops. Yeah, that's yeah. like an appetizer. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, the yeah. real deal here. Right. He was like hard hitting, just stuff you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. right here. I'm not good at intro people. How was that? Is that good? Oh, did I mess it up? Or... Sounds perfect. Okay, great. Actually, I want to say that uh, Kyle's actually been someone I've followed since uh, for many years now. One of my favorite Sixers writers. I think one of the best. Clearly, clearly top three. Maybe top two. <laughs> Whoa. I, might, I might say top two. That's like a backhanded compliment. You're not, you're, you, you, will, you will not definitively say he's the best. I mean, top two is pretty good. There's a, there's a lot of competition these days, so I, yeah. I will take it as a compliment. Yeah, like I, Matt is like maybe a top two super hooper. That's true. Know. Yeah. That's true. So. <laughs> uh, but I will say he's definitively a top two super hooper. Thank, that's great. Thank you. That's some great. respect. Yeah, yeah, finally, yeah, yeah. Finally got some respect on the pod. Yeah. From phillyvoice.com. Also, uh, should we call you from NBA TV? Uh, NBA TV TV? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm officially a TV guy now. I did I not think I'd ever be able to say that because I'm certainly not handsome enough to be put on TV on a regular basis. But oh, no. did you did you did you immediately change your Twitter uh, your Twitter avatar to be you on TV? Oh, you know I did. Come on. <laughs> All right, that's very the, very proud of that. That's very the move. That's the move. Let's go back to the beginning. So you now cover the team daily. You're at the practices and uh, things like that. What has been the biggest eye-opening for you going from someone covering the team by watching the games afar to actually being there day-to-day? So you guys will see videos and things that 
I tweet out and like, Hey, here's an interesting thing to happen. If that's Ben Simmons shooting a three, if that's Markel Fultz's free throws looking jacked up. And when you're on the outside, all you can really do is just, you're speculating, you're drawing your own conclusions based on, well, this is what I think's happening. Like with the Markel stuff, it was a lot of, he's got the yips or he changed a shot or he's hurt this, that, and the other. Whereas when you're actually there, you can ask people questions and say, what do you think about this? What's going on with this kid? And there's a lot less assumption of malice when you have interpersonal relationships with people, whether that's coaching staff, players, front office, because I mean, they're just, they're just people that you're interacting with every day rather than that's just some guy in an ivory tower who makes decisions that I'm going to sound off on, on the internet. Got it. It's kind of like what I did when I first met Brian Colangelo, smelled his cologne, and then instantly got enamored. <laughs> I didn't have that relationship when he was just, you know, the former GM of just, uh, the, just the an Toronto. empty collar. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. just an empty collar and a handsome but, man to look at afar. But yeah, yeah, I don't know that I can speak to the the cologne aspect <laughs> of the situation. But um, maybe look, one, I mean, that, maybe that, one day. That's, that I think that always changes. That's not unique to sports where people act a lot differently when they have relationships with someone versus, hey, that's just a, a punching bag for me on Twitter for likes and retweets. So are you saying that we shouldn't believe you anymore, Kyle? Because you're now like, you know, in, in the pocket I'm, I'm of the compromised. I'm compromised. I'm deep state. <laughs> it's nice. a conspiracy. Um, no, I mean, you do have to walk that line where – I mean, I would like to show up to the practice facility or the games and not have anyone give me flack, regardless of who that is. But I mean, I have to, I have a job to do it. I got to report, I got to write. Like, I had to write a story recently about that whole JJ Reddick incident. And I took a lot of heat, at least from, I guess, fans about that. And I know, like, JJ has come out and said, wasn't intentional, et cetera, et cetera. It was a, which well, that's a whole another can of worms, but I have to write that and I have to go talk to Reddick the next day and deal with him. And I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not afraid of these guys. Like I very much walk in there. I, I'm proud of what I put my name on and I think I, I write what is truthful and fair. So it's difficult sometimes, but it's, it's really just discomfort more than like not scared to write or act a certain way got it and but you're uh, not but you're not afraid of reddick though because he's got those like really stumpy arms so he like can't he would not be able to get at you in a fight you know you could just <laughs> hold him hold him away he's also like the same height as me so it's not the same phenomenon as uh when i'm standing next to Embiid and he could like pick me up like a small child with one arm let's move on to uh your big article uh about markel fultz um, you said you in it, you said you spent months kind of tracking this thing down, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, so the, transparently, I will say some of the work started. The reason I said six months when I tweeted out the story that to like share it was that some of this was based on relationship building before the season started, where you're talking to people about, Hey, what's going on with the team? just like the meet and greet type things, whether that's people in the organization, people around Markel. I mean, that's just, that's a due diligence thing. And then it, as it turns out, when questions arose later on, it was, I was very glad to have taken those steps in the, in, ahead of time. What do you, what has been like, what was revealed to you in your research? Like, did you go in with a, a sort of preconceived notion of how this injury came about or what was going on? And did talking to people kind of gradually change your opinion of it? So I came from, to, to circle back to the discussion we had about coming from the outside, now being on the inside, my background was I was always very critical of their medical staff and how they've handled things. Because from if you go down the laundry list of things they've done, it looks really bad. So I went into this thinking, okay, this kid's hurt. They're letting him play through it when they probably shouldn't be. I was expecting there to be a reveal of a labrum tear or some other common shoulder injury that was just 
either negligence or Markel saying, hey, I want to play through it and see what I can do. But what I ended up finding out was that even when they had him diagnosed and when they said he's out indefinitely, he was in the practice facility away from the cameras and still putting up jump shots. And that's a big deal because they're saying, that, look, the, the agent came out and said October 25th, I believe it was. He said Markel can't lift his right shoulder or his right arm above his head. And I was told by multiple people that very same day that he was in the practice facility shooting jump shots that day. So th there's a lot of the biggest takeaway for me is there was a lot of dis or misinformation from from all parties here. And I think why that makes me concerned moving forward is because once you know that Markel was working on his jumper in late October, throughout November, early December, at times when nobody could see him, not even reporters who have access to the practice facility, that calls into question, well, why is this kid still not right here at the end of February? But that, it'd be one thing if he hadn't worked on his shot that whole time and he comes back in January and we're here end of February, there's still an issue. But the fact that there was never really a, a true break from working on it is what really would concern me. Yeah, the whole thing seemed weird when, you know, we the saying that he couldn't lift his arm above his head, you know, and then like you said, you know, you found out that he was shooting and there was videos of him from the summer, you know, clearly uh, dunking his the, arm above his head. Yeah, like just <laughs> dunking and, you know, and doing the wave. Yeah, I, I know there's the what they're calling the Zapruder film of the Markel Fultz thing is him at the Cherry Hill High School with yeah. with his trainer, Keith Williams. Uh, and he's dunking and, you know, looking great. Um, what did you find out about his trainer? Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really understate Williams's role in his life, let alone in basketball. The guy's been around him since he was seven years old. He's a big part of why he got to the stage that he was at to begin with. Like he, he probably would not have become a number one overall pick if it wasn't for having a close family friend, someone who's a father figure there, who's willing to work him out day after day after day as he's going through his adolescent years. But that trust that was built up then has eyes from what I understand from people I talked to probably led him astray. I know Derek Bodner came out with another report the day after mine where he hammered down that there was absolutely a change in mechanics made by Williams and Fultz that not only happened in the months of August and September, but was in the midst of taking place when he was in summer league and during the draft process. So April, May, June, those months they're tinkering with things too. And so I think something just, they tried to tinker too close to the season. Something went wrong and that's sort of why we're here today. I will say there was also some Williams's name came up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the reports about, uh, money going around between college basketball players that Markel took a payment at some point. In one of the reports, I believe it was by ESPN, Fultz reportedly met with uh, an Under Armour representative at one point. And the three people who were in his camp that were at that meeting were reportedly Markel, his mother, and Keith Williams. So that in itself, that detail shows you how close this guy is to Markel and why, like a lot of people have said, well, why does this kid trust a, a trainer over a professional organization, the team that's in charge of him? Why aren't the Sixers stepping in? The Sixers can step in, but it's like, it's like telling the kid he can't say hello or train with someone who's his dad, basically. Like they, the the bond is that close, so it's a really tight tight rope that they have to walk. And I'm not sure there's a, a good solution to all this. After I forgot what game it was, but I believe it was right after your article. Uh, there was a comment from Embiid that was very interesting to me, where he said that he felt like. Markel, some of the people around him closest don't have the best interest in his hands. 
Do you, do you remember hearing that? Yes, I do. Okay. It, it was, I think it was the game immediately after it was like, a. I don't remember who they played, but I, I absolutely remember that clip. And so my question is, do you think he was, do you know who he, you have a guess of who Embiid was talking about? Do you think it was people from Markel's side or, or people close to him on the Sixers side? Because right after that, remember, or right around that time was when Colangelo kind of came out and, and had that press conference that, you know, some people would say threw faults under the bus. I win because I love Colangelo, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I don't think it was directed at the Sixers organization. I, I think I, I don't want to speculate on anyone specifically. I do think it's something with Markel more on the personal side of things. <clears throat> Got well, I'll, I'll speculate. I'll wildly speculate. Okay. Sure, well, Matt. you just told us that he has his mother and this trainer who are close to him. So I'm guessing Embiid's not talking about the dude's mother. So uh, just, Yeah, uh, I, I, by I pro- highly doubt it, it is his mother. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Just by process of elimination. <laughs> yeah. um, so one thing I've long speculated was about uh, Markel Fultz to me, and I want to couch this as it's not a bad thing, but he's always... It's been a lot of little things where he's felt slightly immature and maybe young. Not not immature in the in necessarily a bad way, but just kind of younger than maybe a guy like let's say a Jason Tatum or a Kyle Kuzma, right? No, I would agree with that. I think I've said several times this year that the, you can tell that he's 19 years old, and some of that is good, some of it's bad. I mean, he'll be when. Embiid or TJ McConnell or anybody else is getting interviewed post game after a win. Markel will sometimes lurk in the background and make funny faces at him and act like he's going to ask a question to the guys. And so that part of it's good natured, but he's just, he's a very goofy kid. You can tell that all this is, I mean, I would, if I was Markel Fultz, 19 year old kid, new millionaire who just had what I love taken away from me. I don't think I would handle it the best. Like I I think the, the angsty Twitter and Instagram posts and Snapchat that he made where he said, don't call or text me, that sort of stuff. I probably would have been a lot more profane if I was him and I was going (laughs) through all these frustrations at that age. But maybe he's so immature. He doesn't know any bad words yet. Have you ever thought that? Maybe that's it. I think he knows some bad words. Okay. I, I will right. speculate on that. But yeah, I, I, I would say I agree that you can definitely tell he's young. And to, so there's a long road ahead for him, both as a, a basketball player and a person. And that's not a bad thing. Everybody figures things out on their own time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, a great transition. Um, I've been studying every single uh, iPhone footage. Uh, of every jump shot. <laughs> yeah, let's get to happier topics. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Sixers are good. Like, yeah, yeah. But w- where? But the last couple of videos have been looking pretty good. The hitch seems to be mostly gone. Where do you think it's at now? And do you think that it's going to be fixed uh, coming up? Uh, my only reservation with any of this is that he still has not taken a catch and shoot jumper in. Like two months, I think, at least that I've seen. I'm sure he's probably working on that when report nosy reporters like me aren't uh, at the practice facility or at the Wells Fargo Center. But those were that was the biggest problem for him and continues to be the biggest problem for him was stationary stuff. So free throws, catch and shoot from three-point land. It's never been the off-the-dribble mid-range stuff that's been a problem. So... I think it's certainly good and encouraging that he looks mechanically more consistent from mid-range, but I don't want to overreact to that because I think the the biggest hurdle for him, we are not aware that he has cleared it yet. Got it. Okay, the million-dollar question. Do you think he gets back to his original, uh, you know, the prospect we thought he was going to be? So... I will say in my heart, I want to say yes, and I'll say yes with my heart. If I had to bet my life on it, I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> the, the real answer is I don't know. Um, I, I think if anybody is going to overcome it, it's somebody like him that he rose from a lot of adversity. He was 
a JV player, as everyone knows, his sophomore year in high school and worked his way up to be the number one recruit in the class, was a consensus number one overall draft prospect after all that. What about what about have you what about my theory that Markel Fultz was uh, never good and it was just there have you ever seen trading places? Yes, I have. <laughs> there was like my theory is there was a bet amongst the draft express guys that they could hype a guy who wasn't good into the number one pick. It was like a one dollar bet amongst themselves just to hype this guy who wasn't actually good into the number one pick. Do you think that is there any validity to that theory? Do you yeah. think? I, I do not. I do not believe that whatsoever. Okay. Because right. uh, I, I think, look, I think we could. What we could say is that uh, maybe his shooting overall was overvalued because of the. The percentage he shot in college. I, I think the the poor free throw percentage is always used when we're talking about scouting as a, an, a possible indicator of a guy who is maybe not going to succeed at the pro level. But he's shot well in USA Basketball settings and Nike EYBL camps and in all different formats. Mm-hmm. And he's always been at least since he rose to prominence, considered a really, really elite offensive guard prospect. So, no, I, I do not believe that he was never good theory. Mm, considered by who, though? And who controls the access to that, that Nike data and stuff stop, like that? Stop. Just asking, <laughs> I'm just asking questions. I'm just like Kyrie. <laughs> you just just ask, like Kyrie just asking questions. Go ahead. For, I mean, Ky, uh, let's like talk a little bit about the Sixers just, just briefly like from like a global perspective. Perspective, you know enough about about faults. Like, what do you? Th- I mean, this season is an unqualified success. I mean, faults aside, right? I mean, they're they're much better than everyone thought. And Bede's been healthy, and Bede's been dominating. Um, like, I think even if they get bounced in the first round, would you say that this is a, is a success for them? I absolutely think it is, and I, I think even through through the All Star break, I thought they were overachieving. Uh, this is a team that very much is still figuring out what their identity is and how to walk the balance of playing through Embiid while also implementing Ben Simmons, who is a, a, an extremely talented player, but a, a very tricky fit on any team, let alone with a, a team that's built around a low post guy. I, and what I will say about, I, I want to say, I've been the one of the big pro Brett Brown guys all this year and in previous years too. The fact that the Sixers have been as good as they have been, despite the fact that their two best players need almost completely opposite styles to to thrive on offense, it is pretty impressive to me. Like I, I don't think people appreciate that enough that Joel would be better suited if the Sixers just walked it up and down the floor and he just got to to massacre dudes in the low post. And Ben would be better off if they ran and ran and ran and ran every day. And I think it's it's a credit to the coaches. It's a credit to both of those guys, both from a talent and an ego perspective, that they have figured out a way that, all right, it's going to run through Joel for a bit. We still need to let Ben push. We still need to do this. I, I think that's been a, a very a very positive development in year one for them as teammates. Final question for me. From afar, all the evidence points to Joel Embiid being the greatest human alive. Uh, <laughs> up close, is that true? I, I'm a big fan of Joel's as a person. He's always – I mean – I I save my questions. Part of the reason I have a decent relationship with the players is I save my questions for when I really need to ask something. I'm not the guy who goes into the locker room needing 15 quotes every night. So I'll save them for when Joel has a beef with Russell Westbrook, for example, or Ben Simmons allegedly went and fought Kyle Lowry in the tunnel after a game. Like those are, That's the sort of stuff I'll ask them about. And then I'll also... Joel's a big soccer guy. I come from a soccer background, so I'll talk to him on the side about Real Madrid and some other things sometimes. And so, I mean, that helps build that that relationship a little bit, whereas when people are just yelling questions at Joel, I, I think he does get a little frustrated. Like, who is this dumbass that only shows up once every couple of weeks and he's asking me generic questions about double doubles or whatever the hell else it is so who is this dumbass uh, you're referring to kyle you want to you want to name names 
Well, there's not a singular <laughs> dumbass. It, it's look, you guys yeah, know it's the city of Philadelphia. Office. There's plenty of plenty of dumbasses there. Yeah, I mean, and not even just Philly either. It's like, look, I, I love the press. I fight for the First Amendment, et cetera, et cetera. But there are certainly some people who don't really know the, when to ask certain questions or whether certain questions are, are valuable or not. There are still a lot of talk about this stupid storyline that I want to write about tonight. Like, there's a lot of stuff like that. So I some of it is just laziness on the uh, the part of colleagues of mine where I think we need to do better. So I try to do better if Tupac cares and nobody else cares. Yeah. That's what I'll say. All right. Last question, Kyle. And this determines whether I just delete this entire interview or not, depending on your answer. <laughs> do you think that Ben Simmons should switch to shooting right-handed? No. Thank you. Podcast. <laughs> the interview stays. Yeah, so, look, I, I, I do think he's right-handed. The way I think you can tell that is if he's ever making a full-court pass or a shot at, like, the end of a quarter, it's always with his right hand. And so if you're trying to put the most mustard on something, you're obviously going to use your dominant hand. But I think he's so far into like he's got thousands upon thousands of reps with his left hand, and given that he's already as successful as he is without the jumper, I think you just want to build incrementally on top of that rather than if you make him switch. That's cross. That's crossing wires. That's potentially throwing everything out of balance. And I, especially after what you just watched happen with Markel, and he certainly didn't switch shooting hands. Uh, I don't think you want to go down that path with him. Yeah, and I think it's like I think it's ridiculous that people even consider that because let's say he tries to switch with his right hand. If if in two or three years it doesn't work, then what? No, I and then you missed three years of, of left-handed of I don't his natural how, shooting. I don't understand how Sixers fans are like, "Hey, this whole Markel Fultz experience is great. Let's do the same thing with Simmons." Yeah, I think it's all Kevin O'Connor <laughs> of the Ringer. Yeah, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna track him down. Well, he lives in L.A. now, John. Well, you yeah, can find him. I know him. But yeah. well, next yeah, time I see him, those are your stomping grounds. You guys gotta roll up for your set. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I saying, saw him at uh, All Star uh, Weekend. I didn't say anything. Yeah. That was nice, but next time I see him, I'm, I'm gonna give him a noogie. Yeah, give him a, <laughs> you, if you yeah, if you see Kevin O'Connor show up uh, on a podcast with a black guy, I guess you won't be able to see it. But if you hear <laughs> if you hear a black little black guy in his voice, yeah. he mentions it when he's talking yeah. to Bill Simmons about yeah. uh, why Ben Simmons isn't actually good. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Kyle, thank you for uh, for all your time. I, I think that was great insight. It's been a great great time, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, thanks, all right. brother. A lot of false talk. A lot of yeah, a lot, a lot of, of good stuff talk. though. You would, of, by listening to the interview, would you would never know that the Sixers have been winning. Everyone's happy over there. Everything's good. I think it was great that he just like reiterated how smart my takes were. Okay, just once he said that. Well, that's. I mean, your your take was that Markel Fultz is immature. This is a 19-year-old who loves Chick-fil-A and doesn't know how many teams in the NBA. Yeah, it's not – I mean, you, you didn't really do some genius-level detective I, work I there, John. I don't know, man. I, I think I hit it on the head. This this He is, also, you know, I was just – This is a game great. This is a game that other people have played, but I want to play it with you, John. Oh, just to a torture little surprise you. game? Just to a torture surprise. you. I didn't I, even I, know this. I've heard other podcasts do it, but I, I kind of want to do it. Since, Are we biting other podcasts? I mean, not really. Okay. I mean, other other podcasts have bit us enough. I mean, early early beef with pardon my take for buying a, a basketball team overseas. Which did is, they do that? Yeah, yeah. Which is wait, long, what? Which has long been what we've been wanting to w- do. When did they do that? Uh, I don't know, like last week or something. No. Yeah. What yeah, team yeah. did they buy? Uh, New New Zealand. Some some team in New Zealand. What? Yeah, that's something that we've been wanting to do on our podcast, but it turns out, you know, given that that's like the biggest podcast in the world, apparently they have more money than than us, Ugh. And more resources, so they could actually close the deal and get it done. They do beefing with them. It's early yeah, beef, early beefing beef. with yeah. uh, um, part of my take. Yeah, big oh cap. Oh my big gosh! Wow. I actually haven't listened to the, the podcast where they do it, but I just saw on, on Twitter that they that they own a team that they stole our they stole our they bet. stole our, they they specifically said. Mm. Yeah. That they were one of the tens of listeners who uh, heard our, our buying a team idea. Hear that, Dieter? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, I just, just want to play, play this game. Would you trade Markel Fultz? Oh, okay. This is a good game. For Lonzo Ball. 
Ooh. Just quick. You just yes. got quick, quick. Yes. Yes, yes you would. Markel yeah. Fultz for Jason Tatum. Yes. Markel Fultz. I'm glad you're actually being honest. Most Philly fans would not be would not be that honest. That one's close though. That one's close. At, at Markel Fultz at this state. Well, yeah, of course at this state. At this what state. we know now. Yeah. I mean Tatum Tatum's pretty he's, yeah. he's fallen off a little bit. Well, but, he had a kid. Let me but, tell you. Tatum had a kid and basically his Oh, his, is that, oh I didn't his hear drop that. off correlates with uh, after he had a kid. Okay, yeah. yeah. Tatum uh, I also think would fit well on our team. Fultz for Josh Jackson. No. Fultz for De'Aaron Fox. No. Fultz for Jonathan Isaac. Probably not. I, I honestly I haven't watched enough to Fultz really... Fultz well he has Isaac's been injured. Fultz for uh, Lowry Marketing. Oh. Nah. Wow. But that's a that's a fit issue. I would definitely That is a fit issue. Dude, just have freaking Marketing post play the JJ Reddick role. Like post out there on the three point line. Maybe I don't know. That's yeah. a tough one. I'd have to see a little more Let's of Marketing's see. game. You would definitely but in a vacuum, maybe I'd go yeah. Marketing, but we're then I don't know. Maybe Dennis, maybe Dennis he would Smith, work Dennis with. Smith Jr. I haven't watched enough. Okay, how's he look? Eh, I mean, I, you know, I, I was never a fan. Yeah, I I've, think I think he's I think he's the next like Steve Francis. I think he's just an empty stats type guy. Yeah, I'd probably say no. Okay, and then uh, so last one. This one was clear. Yes, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's a yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yes. That's a lot of people in the first round you trade him for. Yeah, so. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't oh, have him oh, number on, one. On, I didn't on. have him number one. Two more, two more. Uh Oh, who we got? Kyle Kuzma. Kuz. The Kuz. Kuz has fallen off a lot. Kuz, Kuz a, a bust. Yeah. I mean, Kuz is basically a bust. So I'd probably say, I do like Kuz, but I'd probably say no. Okay, Josh Hart. No. All right, I'm going on record. I will go on record to say that Josh Hart will definitely have a better pro career than Marco Fultz. Yo, here's the thing, man. Hold me to it. I, hold I, me to it. It's fine. Of course I will. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know what? I won't hold you to it because I'll probably forget because it's just such I'll a— I'll never uh, forget. It's such a dumb thing. Because it's definitely going to happen. Hart is a freaking baller. and He's, he's, he's unfortunately out for a few weeks now, but yeah. he is excellent. I mean, yeah. Fultz is going to be out of the league, in my he's, opinion, he's in three seasons. old and like— He's good. Played, played Villanova. Like he's that's how good. that worked. Um, Fultz's jumper is looking looking like it's getting back you, there. Uh, well, you heard Kyle Newback talk, tell us that he can't shoot standing still. So, but I will say, but, but Brett, he also told us Brett Brown's great. So maybe Brett Brett Brown just runs motion for him the whole time. Just the he's just nonstop. Running. He non, never. He's always he's running. Just always he never in motion. Has to. Yeah, it, it's like to. the movie Speed. Yeah, it's like exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mark Fultz, Fultz is, is the movie to. Speed. Um, the, here's the thing. Seeing his jump shot now in the grainy footage, right? Because that's all we have. It definitely is taking away my uh, my fear that like it's a mental hitch that will never go away. Mm. Well, whether he becomes the number one pick quality, like I've always had questions about him and that. That's why I didn't have him number one. Um, so that's always a question. But seeing him now, it's like, oh, you know what? If we spend another year just working, like I said, if he gets to be as good as Eric Gordon. With Simmons and Embiid, that's all you need. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to be the number one player from this draft. That's fine, but like whatever, dude. Still rather have Josh Hart. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do get at me, dog. Get at me, dog. Get at me, dog. This week, Dwayne Bacon from the Hornets, I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. Dwayne Bacon. Is he though? Dwayne Bacon. So Who I tweeted know? out. I tweeted out a poll. I said, what's your favorite bacon? Personally, I like the Enlightenment Philosopher, but Dwayne Bacon is pretty dope too. Hashtag no bad bacons. Hashtag bacon. Hashtag anyone but Kevin. So my first choice was the aforementioned Enlightenment Philosopher, Sir Mm. Francis Bacon. Yes. One of my favorite philosophers. Uh, Second choice on on the poll, Bacon Bacon, just the actual bacon. Bacon. Which then is third what I choice for third choice Dwayne Bacon fourth choice Bacon Bits Bacon Bits kind of whack they used to be good when you were a kid because you were like ooh all this bacon but then you're kind of like yeah, yeah. so right now leading the poll is Bacon Bacon strong yeah strong Francis Bacon my I will shout out to Matt Briley a kid in high school who did a was supposed to do a Francis Bacon book report and uh-huh. then just did a video report instead uh-huh. in which he started. With him just cooking bacon, and I'll never forget <laughs> he that. Went there. Yep, so he, just, easy. he was like, "Wait, Francis Bacon? I thought you meant bacon." And he probably got an A on it. Uh, well, that's Philadelphia. That's a Philadelphia <laughs> that's, school. That's, that's a yeah, Philadelphia yeah, yeah. schools for you. Well, it's always you just got to you do the video. You always got an A if you did a video in high school. If I mean, if there was an option, 
Oh, you forced an option. Yeah, I know. I had a, I had a, actually made a video, right? Wait, did you shoot in like Super Eight? Because you went you went to high school in like I don't the know 70s, what we I don't know what right? we had, but we had a camera of some kind. Oh wow! But fancy. We had a, we made it. We made a we had to do a how to video in in Spanish, right? For Spanish class, we did a how to play um, Goldeneye, the video game Goldeneye, oh. right? So the beginning of the video is oh, me. Oh gosh, this sounds great. The beginning of the video is me. First of all, we shot it after prom, so we're all in our tuxes, okay? <laughs> Just, wait, why do you... Okay. So, uh, it was like the day after prom, so we're all, we all had our rented but, tuxes still, oh, okay, so okay. we're like, we just wear them in the oh, video, oh, right? Oh, I thought you meant like after prom, you were like, let's go no, do no, no, homework. No, not like, the night dude, what, what the heck, I'm man? not that washed. I'm not <laughs> that washed. I was going to say, dude, come I'm on. I'm not that washed. Go try, to, go try to touch a boob or something. So, we start the video by saying, uh, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, okay, here's how you play Goldeneye. Oh, crap, I don't have a Nintendo 64. So... We smuggled in a box, a Nintendo 64 box to Toys R Us, right? And then we video me walking into Toys R Us. I pick up this box that has nothing inside of it, but it's just the empty box. But we put it there on the shelves like, you know, like, like it actually was there. So I pick it up and I just shove it in the back of my tuxedo underneath my tails. And I just walk out of Toys R Us while being videoed, you know, with a giant bulge. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like under uh, the back of my tuxedo nobody stopped me no one said anything no, just I... me clearly smuggling a giant like box out of toys r us nobody cared that's a that's a white privilege for you there just it is. a white dude in a tuxedo just just, just why, well clearly he wouldn't steal he's he's too fancy yes, to steal. clearly yeah. also for kids uh listening uh toys r us used to be a uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a store a store that you could buy toys you at. could buy toys in yeah, you yeah, drag your the parents internet. in there yeah yeah and also for kids listening goldeneye was a really popular video game <laughs> yeah yeah based off a movie yeah. with pierce bronson <laughs> yeah. and the best part of toys r us is You'd always go, and then you'd work your way to the like the Power Wheels thing, and then just like pretend that like one day you'd be you'd have parents rich enough to buy right, that. Right, right. You were right. hoping you'd get adopted by like richer parents or something yeah. like that, but yeah, that never happened. No, no, me neither. I have, my parents basically never bought us toys. So Ugh, I know. Um, all right, here's my tweet, <laughs> man. Okay, so basically, I went to uh, Dwayne Bacon's uh, Wikipedia. And just uh, copy it and paste it. I know. Your tweet's great. I saw your tweet. <laughs> Man, still remember being in high school and watching uh, Bacon Dwayne 1000 lead Oak Hill to an undefeated regular season with a record of 45-0 and and average 24.4 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game, 3.4 assists per game, and 2.2 steals per game. He was ranked 14th in ESPN 100. Hashtag respect. <laughs> That was solid. Oh, how could we forget that? How many steals was it? 2.2 steals? <laughs> Ooh, those 2.2 steals. Um, did you get anything? Uh, I, I got a nice Dave DeFore retweet. Uh, he, he seemed pretty happy with that. I appreciate it. That. That's a good yeah. one. It was a good one. That was one. a good one. Yeah, I know. Well, the Dave DeFore bump sometimes yeah, works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. All but, right. So that's a no. No, you. no, no. Okay, I, okay. Yeah. Well, he, I, once again, the, the benefit of doing a poll, he could have voted in the poll. We he could have done yeah. that. Uh, all right, so we do a little headlines. A little headlines, a little headlines. All right. These are where I just read the news. So over the All-Star break, players were invited to talk to the refs, but only two players showed up, uh, Andre Iguodala and Spencer uh, Dinwiddie. When reached for comment, the refs said, Who? Headlines! A little mustache, boy. Spencer. This is just reading the headlines. Just, just the news. Does Spencer have a mustache? He used to. I don't know if okay. he still does. All that right. was his claim to fame. Don't watch a lot of Nets. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> the Warriors are opting to go to the African American Museum instead of the White House. When asked why they chose the African American Museum, they said it, they they said they wanted to go to the one place in DC where they were absolutely sure that Trump wouldn't be. Headlines. That's a good one. Saw that. Isaiah Thomas uh, couldn't believe the Cavs traded him so fast. Said they were in panic mode. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. The Cavs responded, yes, we panicked when we saw you play basketball. Headline. That's good. He's not good at basketball anymore. as a Lakers fan, okay? As a Lakers fan, fan, I actually been watching all the games this season. That Lonzo's plays. I started watching them all because I fell in love with Josh Hart. So, um, (laughs) but, uh, so as a Lakers fan, like, I love love Isaiah Thomas. All right, let me preface, preface this by saying I love the story. I love the way he played up until this year, but watching him, I scream at my TV and would love to see him shot into the sun. Please, get him off my team. Um, all right. Uh, Donovan Mitchell um, hooked up a random guy from the internet. I saw that. Yeah, he hooked up I with this random guy on the internet with two tickets 
to the jazz game so this guy could ask out a girl from her from his chem class. When reached for comment, the girl said, "Fuck, I gotta say yes, right?" Headline. That's good. I thought you. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, you know this. This is this, thought, yeah. this creepy ass dude hopping in Donovan Mitchell's uh, mentions to be like, "Yo, can I get some tickets?" You know, to ask this girl out. Like, you know, this girl doesn't want to go. There's no way. There's no way she actually wants to date. I think this she guy. went. Well, of course, if well, some, yeah. someone's like, hey, it's this big internet story. Let me show you on the front page of Reddit that we're on the front page of Reddit. Yeah. Will you go to this game with me? She's not going to, that, that, like the joke says, she's not going to say no. That's true. But there's no way that, you know, she actually wants to date this dude. Yeah, I thought I thought the joke was going to be, uh, he hooked a guy up with two tickets, and he hated it on another guy by giving him four. What does that mean? Because no one goes to the Utah games. Headlines. Uh, All right, never mind. It's an old. What do you mean by hated? It? Oh, because he's forcing four people. Yeah, to go? it's like a, it's an old old radio joke. You know, first place, four tickets to the Pirates game. Second place, six tickets. Six tickets to the Pirates game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, right, all, right. all right, that's all the headlines that are fit to print. <laughs> all the headlines fit to pod. Fit to pod. Yeah. One of them was not fit to pod. Probably had to cut it out. Probably. Yeah. Probably I actually had no problem with. That. I think that's fine. And I, I just think the joke. I think too I'm, much I, math. I think I'm. The part you should cut out is the lack of it being funny, not the the possible reach of well, it being an, an well, I issue. I can't not uh, being woke enough. Right, right. Well, yeah, it, it got cut out anyways. Um, <laughs> hey, DM me if you want to know. Shout out some beefs. Matt, Matt uh, insulted shout out to, a, a large group of people. Shout shout out some beefs. I want to beef. We didn't really talk about it. Yeah, it's beef. Well, I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks mm. and like low key. Like so, they had this big article expose about like their cro- cro- uh, corrosive like work culture, sexual harassment on the business side, and all this stuff. Like low key, the Mavericks are horribly run. They, basketball wise, they're just terrible. And they've like, let me just give you their draft picks. These are their draft picks for the last ten years, Sean. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Dennis Smith Jr., who may be good. All right. Justin Anderson traded away for Noel, who they're not going to resign. Kelly Olinick. They drafted him? They traded him draft night for Lucas Noguera and two second rounders. So great job. Oh wow. Did they trade then? Then they Luke? traded then they traded for Shane Larkin, who okay, also good job. Tyler Zeller. Ugh. They traded him on draft night. So they love draft night trades yeah. for Jay they Crowder. Love, they love trading drafting white dudes and trading them. But so they draft Jay Crowder, which okay, that's good. Jay Crowder turned out to be a yeah. player. But then they traded him for Rondo, so which mm. was a disaster. Jordan Hamilton who they traded for Rudy Fernandez. Ooh. And then Byron Mullins, who they traded for uh, Rodrigue Bubois. Bust. I mean, that's a terrible draft. I mean, they drafted nobody. Yeah. A and lot they of those picks tra- are later, though, because Dirk has kept them in the playoffs. Like, I think we did the same thing with the Danny Ainge thing. Dude. Like, we're, we're, we're pissed at, like, 15-plus picks when... Okay, well, then you can be pissed at them for also having no first-rounders. I mean, I listed wow. however many players that was. Six players? That's, that's in the last 10 years. They've had six first round. But they've made the playoffs how many of those years? The Dirk. Dirk yeah, like almost you. all those years. Well, yeah, you know, so they still, don't have like, high picks. You look, well, you look at the Warriors. The Warriors keep nailing these late draft picks. The Spurs nail late draft picks all the time. Yeah. The Lakers, the Lakers, even when the Lakers nail late drafts, late draft picks all the time, too. When they were good, they would also get... And they get, also miss late draft picks. Do they? The Lakers haven't missed a draft pick in a while, man. Mm. Maybe not the Lakers. Yeah. Then they're big free agent signings, okay? Here are the big free agent signings. Harrison Barnes. Oh, by the way, shout out to House of Strauss, one of my favorite podcasts, basketball mm-hmm. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. He had this great story where when Harrison Barnes was on the Warriors, and then somebody told Jerry West, who was with the Warriors at the time, who, that Harrison Barnes wanted $20 million in free agency. And Jerry West just goes, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, because West and him were tight. Uh, he was the one that believed in in Barnes. No, 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 nope, 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 nope. He he was not the. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I read this that he West would, did not want to draft him. Well, I think afterwards though, I remember reading they a might story have been tight afterwards. Afterwards, yeah, but yeah, Bar- yeah. I mean, Barnes is the type of guy who's very aware, very political. Mm. So you can see him, you know, making friends with management. But I kind of remember reading a story. Maybe I'm totally totally off. But I remember reading a story, and this is why I kind of believed in Barnes on that when the Mavs signed him was because he was spending time training at Jerry West's house with him. 
So there was supposed to be, I kind of read it as, oh, maybe Wes sees something in him, blah, blah, blah. But if you hear the other story, maybe Wes was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can use my gym, but yeah, exactly. I ain't giving you 20 this, million. Yeah, I got this gym. Yeah, here. maybe. I got this gym so you can go get signed elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Darren Williams, Wes Matthews, Chandler Parsons. I mean, they've been OJ Mayo were their free agent signings of the past. Those are the past five years. They've been living off Dirk. That's my thing. But they've done nothing good besides draft Dirk. I mean, the Jason Kidd trade back in the day got Tyson Chandler. Okay, but they let him walk. Like, I mean, Dirk is such a transcendent talent that they've just been eating off that. And when the rest of the league got smarter, they haven't gotten smarter with him. This is like low key, just a terribly one run franchise that never comes up because we love Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to. It's tough to judge the um, entirety of them because they've been in that weird spot of they had Dirk, they won a championship. So like we can't say they're garbage, right? Like they basically won with one superstar, and then they've been kind of spending the last couple of years figuring out what to do with the declining Dirk, and unfortunately they haven't gone the full tank where. What was great about the Lakers is they did that for Kobe, but Kobe was so bad it helped the tank. Yeah. Dirk, they're trying to give him his legacy, but he keeps them not – keeps them too well, the good from two, being – The past two years they've been able well, – I, I The actually, last – yeah. I actually don't year. think it's Dirk that kills their tank. I think it's Rick Carlisle. And Rick Carlisle, Like Rick Carlisle is a good enough coach that he can, like, you know, coax these great – performances yeah, out exactly. of like aging vets exactly but so, you know they're they're the they're tanking this year they're looking uh number oh, wait, five oh, sorry right they're there. not taking they're this not year. yeah i mean they quote could unquote be, yeah. they are half a game from the worst team yeah they almost beat uh apparently they almost beat uh, okc as we record this but yeah. they lost the last second great job it's getting close great. by it's the way a- shout out to okc for barely squeaking by the kings and the the mavs i know yeah they're a weird team man yeah i never said they're gonna be good um, I'm gonna. This is this is a. Uh, I'm gonna beef with uh, myself. Ooh. Oh, and wait, wait. Is the baby monitor on? <laughs> no, no. Okay. The. Uh, <laughs> it's related to the baby though. Uh oh. Okay. Uh oh. So, uh, listeners, go look up M- Google Mike Woodson no eyebrows. Okay. Let me do it right now. All right. So I'm Google as a listener. Google Mike Woodson no no. So Mike Woodson, which um, there's a lot of articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike Woodson, when he was head coach of the Knicks, he just shows up one day, no eyebrows. Okay, his eyebrows are shaved off. All right, he just has no eyebrows, and his story was that his barber, like, tried to like take a little bit off his eyebrows, <laughs> and like messed up. And then just shave them to even it out, <laughs> like that. And I was like, "This is the, the 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 lamest excuse ever. This is no way. Like, this would never happen in real life." But that's like I said, I I, I was wrong, because I tried to cut my baby's hair. Oh, really no. messed up. Really messed it up. Oh my gosh! And you got a photo? Uh, no. But I, you could next time you see the baby, you could see. And my wife's like, we just we just got to shave the baby's head now. You like, got to just start from just, scratch. You messed it up too you gotta much. You got to start from scratch. Yeah, I just cut it. I didn't really know what I was doing. And it's just like, <laughs> basically, it looks like he has like lines. Are we using scissors? scissors. Yeah, scissors. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Like actual scissors. Yeah, so. Ooh, I, Mike, Mike Woodson, I feel you. I understand how it could happen. Yeah, you got to be careful cutting your own hair. Yeah. You got to be good or at that. Or your baby's hair. Also, the baby's like, you know, he's all moving around. So it's oh. like. Moving kinda, target. What's up? Like a moving target. Yeah, it's like probably not the safest chasing your baby around with no, scissors. No, probably not. Just probably not. <laughs> cutting into air. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's how I was doing it, though. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, beefing. We got big beef here. Remember our good friend Brad Clapper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what happened? I think he doesn't listen anymore. Oh, no. I know, right? Uh. I saw him at a birthday party this weekend. Shout out to Ryan Howard and Helen Phillips. And I was talking to him, and I was like, what's up, man? And I mentioned the NBA, and he's like, ah, I just haven't been. But someone else at the party, shout out, John Bradford, who does listen to the podcast. So I'm going to take all the nice things I said about Brad Clapper and move it to John Bradford. Mm, okay. And he's a guy I told LeBron to Sixers was a real thing months ago. Oh, well, we will yeah. find out who's right yes. uh, this summer. It ain't happening. No, I don't think so. No. I'm now I'm now I now I think he resigns with the Cavs actually. It just makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Oh, and I also I have a, a sort of a Illuminati. Ooh. Where I've been hearing some people say this and I get maybe some vibes like 
Dan Gilbert might sell the team this summer. This summer? And part of, you know, part of LeBron threatening to go to the Lakers is a bit of a leverage play to get Gilbert to s- sell the team. Mm. I mean, you think about it like this, right? LeBron can say to, to Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, he can say, look, I will leave the Cavs this summer. That will tank this franchise's value, right? Oh, I love this. And, or you can sell the team this summer and I will commit to like a long contract making the Cavs, you know, more valuable. I mean, it's probably like $200 million, right? Maybe even more than that, $300, $400 million. Yeah. Like if you're buying the Cavs and LeBron signs a five-year contract, right? Mm-hmm. That's got to be worth a few hundred million dollars, knowing you have him locked up for yeah. the next even, few years. Even one or two years. If yeah. He, if he's like, look, I'm still going to do my two-year thing. Even if that, but what, if, even if it, but you imagine it's five years, because what that does is it's like, it's not only is he staying here, now he's known as a Cav. Yeah. Like long-term, he's with the organization. Yeah. He's, well, I also think he would sign five years if you sell it to his buddy, Rich Paul. Well, that's another thing, too. Yeah, yeah. He could be angling to sell to somebody he knows as well yeah to set himself up for future ownership in the future and we also know that dan gilbert wants to own own the pistons like he wants to own a a different team like he tried to trade the he tried to get the the pistons owner to switch franchises with him a few years amazing should we try to pod swap with someone i don't know i don't know yeah we'll pod swap with part of my take (laughs) just switch the feeds (laughs) <laughs> Come yeah. on, yeah, just straight up trade. Pot, pot, uh, part of my take: you can rebuild your audience. Like, yeah, see, yeah. See if I you mean, the whole barstool thing is played out. Yeah. You gotta, you know, it's messy over there. It is. Exactly. You just lost Rappaport. You, you don't want to. Yeah, it's problematic. We over just there. had Kyle Newback. Yeah, exactly. We were thinking about buying a team. Switch, just switch, switch feeds just, with just us. Switch, switch feeds. Switch feeds. I don't know how well we do with the with the part of my take audience. Oh, I could get there. I guess so. You but just, it's I like, just got to bring up the all the stuff that you edit out. Just put in, no, and I that's know. barstool. I know. No, it's not the it's not the barstool. It's like they basically don't ever talk about basketball. That's why I stopped listening because mm. it's like they only talk about like football, college football. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Ugh. Um. Um. I got a shout out. You don't watch The Bachelor? No, of course not. Oh my gosh, this is a shout out. It should be a beef. There was a guy. Let me explain this to you. Two two women. I'm left. not going to pay attention. Yes. But. Pay attention. Two women left. Uh-huh. Right. The guy has to pick the two. They're in Peru. Her ex-boyfriend that they broke up a year ago shows up mm-hmm. to give his love and win her back. And I want to be with them because, bro, don't do that. Never. It's not, it's not, first of all, you broke up. It's been a year. Yeah. Stop on this fantasy that you think that also, you are like the savior. You going there never works. Never works. Yeah. Never works. Uh, but I turned it to a shout out because... He got destroyed so bad that it was one of the most enjoyable things. Because here you have a loser who thinks that he, he thinks that his presence alone of this girl that they broke up a year ago, she'll see him and go, yes, oh my God, it's you. Like, you're the reason. And uh, no, no, he just got destroyed. And he looked like a fucking idiot. And it was, it was wonderful. It was really, really good to watch. Yeah. yeah, sounds terrible. Uh, oh, so beautiful. Sounds sounds like you're wasting your life, John. I don't want to tell you how to live your life, Oof. but uh, oh, no, no. Nation, uh, get can I ever us. get that? Can I ever get that hour back? Oof, that I wish. It was uh, two hours. Mm, okay. And, uh, yeah. The three hour finale is on Monday. Wow. So shout out, Can't shout wait. out to Bachelor. It's gonna be Can't so wait. good. Uh, I want to stake out some territory. There's a lot of people on this corner. Okay. I just want it. I just want to be on record that I am also on this corner. Okay. This has become very popular. Over the past week or so, I was on it a while ago. I just didn't talk about it on the pod. Oh, nice, nice. But the Wizards are better without John Ooh. Wall. Ooh. And uh, there's a lot of pushback wow. to people like that. Wow. They're 10 and 4 with the god, Sadoransky, running point. <laughs> Dude, Sadoransky is good. Sadar- okay. Sadoransky is just straight up good. And this is not quite an anti John Wall take, it's more pro Sadoransky. Oh, okay? I like this. Like, he just fits better with what they're going to do, like what they're doing, like, and he's legitimately good. And I looked at the numbers: ten and four. They were ten and three. They lost. They were close game to the Warriors tonight. They lost to them. Ten and four with Sadoransky. They knocked off a bunch of good teams. I actually did some research, basketball reference. I looked at the or no NBA.com the lineup data. The starting lineup with Sadoransky is better than the starting lineup with John Wall. The other most used lineup with John Wall also better with Sadoransky. 
And just like I've been watching, like I, I, it's you know, look, I'm I'm making this call on a very small sample size. It's very small. I've watched three games of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. And uh, but I'm ready to say it. And here's the thing: they don't like John Wall. Like Gortat doesn't like him. They had a sit down, and he still didn't like Wall after the sit down. Called him out in the media. Last year, we know that Bradley Beal didn't like Wall. That came out that those two don't like each other. This year again, when John Wall started talking crap to JJ Barea, JJ Barea was like, "Dude, your whole team hates you." So it's not working, man. Like, the chemistry is not there with Wall. So hmm. better without him. That's interesting. I'm on, I'm on, I am on this. There are lots of people. It's become very popular. A lot like of I said. people want to do that. They want to take uh, shots I'm, at John Wall. Well, he's just look. He was a good player. He was a great player. The two things we underrate and never talk about are health issues yes. and character issues. And there are red flags on both of those for John Wall. Health-wise, he always has knee problems. He relies on his athleticism. I, not, I don't want to be paying that contract. Character-wise, he's probably a good dude, but for whatever reason, he rubs his teammates the wrong way. And so you got to take that into consideration. I mean, this is the point guard. So, yeah. I trade him. I trade him if I could. If yeah. I'm the Wizards, you don't want to be paying him, man. You got and and the other thing is too, just Sadoransky has been lights out. Yeah, <clears throat> based on my three game sample size. Three that game I watch, sample size. I watch him like, yo, who is this guy? Yeah, I think, I think we do the thing where we conflate the regular season to the playoffs. The difference between why John Wall is better than like is very very important is his ability to go off on big games and get a lot of points where, you know, that's like the Kyrie thing, right? You can say all season, you're like, eh, I don't know, is Kyrie good? You said he'd be out of the league, things like that. And then you get him in the right spot and you go, no, he just dropped 40 in the playoffs. That's the most important thing about him. And I think that's the thing that John Wall can give you is these games where everyone else is doing bad and he can just take over a game and win it for you. So... I don't know. A lot of yeah. We'll don't we'll need see. him. Don't need it anymore. Bradley Beal's that guy now. But Bradley Beal and Bradley Beal's dope. And but, but also you to get to that next level. You're okay, but what have they done in the playoffs? Nothing. So I mean, yeah, but I think the rest of the team. But like, what do you? So if they go to the playoffs and get swept, then it's like, well, is that better or worse? You know what, what I mean? With Sadransky? Yeah, they ain't getting swept with Sadransky. <laughs> Sadransky would never let that. He'd happen. never let that Tomas? happen. Tomas. You talking about Tomas? <laughs> you trying to? We'll see. We'll see. I I still, I'm a believer in John Wall. I definitely think he's in that third tier, though. He's you know in what the, I mean. He's in that. He's in. He's in that Blake Griffin tier where. Exactly. He's in you, the Blake Griffin. tier. You want to trade this dude? You do not want to be paying this dude. That's the one thing I, that I agree with. His contract was going to be like forty it's million. Same, it's Blake it's, Griffin's contract. It's going to be. That's where you're going to get hurt because you're definitely going to get hurt. But you're also like, it's. It's really tough, man. Yo, you got Tomas Sadoransky, okay? Yeah, but if you're like, when when you were the Wizards, you have to give him that deal, right? Of what course, else, right? And then you're always stuck. Well, you got to do the Jerry West and trade wow. him, give him the deal, and then trade him. Yeah, I mean, really, they should just get. They always need to get rid of Gortat. I mean, I think he's expiring. So, but yeah, but they got rid of him. Get Boogie. No, come on. No, you know I'm anti-boogie. I know. Also, he tore his Achilles. I mean. I know, but I meant years ago. Years ago. Um, shout out to this little nugget that's been interesting to me that it's going to give me a lot of trouble with Sixers fans. The Lakers pick, the infamous Lakers pick, the greatest thing that we've ever accomplished as a Sixers fan base, mm-hmm. trading for MCW for the Lakers pick. Uh, right now, the number 10 pick. And uh, 530 is predicting that pick, the Lakers, to finish 11th. So looks like we're going to trade Michael Carter-Williams, the 11th pick, for the 11th pick. Uh, a couple things. You'd rather have the 11 pick in this year's draft than MCW. That's very day. true. So still good. Still good. And you're making the mistake of results over process. There was lots of chances for that Lakers pick to be in the top five, top three even. So it just never happened. Yeah. Sorry, not, sorry, top five. It, it was never going to be in the top three because it would it doesn't convey. But yeah, I mean, there was, they had, there was a good, good percentage chance that that pick would have been much better. The Lakers just got lucky for two years in a row. Yeah, so. or the opposite. They could have been good, uh, but and they, then no, but it could have been it, like the tenth pick, eleventh okay. pick. You yeah, know what I mean? The chances are that would have been a much better pick than it ended up being. If you if we played this out, you know, multiple times, l- very good chance that would have gone last year or the year before. 
Yeah, maybe. Just kind of, this is like kind of the worst possible outcome, and it's still better than NCW. So I'm, yeah, not, no, I'm, not, no, ex- I'm not exactly sure what your victory lap is for. Sam Hinkie's still the god. Uh, obviously, we're not, let's not go there. But it is kind of ironic that we hang the, you know, one of the big crutches of Hinkie being like, this is the trade that that is so good, and that it's basically just like, might just end up being kind of a push. A re a retry of... We, we can get we can get it's a good trade it's a you know we'll see it's a great we, trade yeah yeah i mean yeah why not getting more shout outs beefs nah that's about it <laughs> i got i got a whole we'll, we'll talk hinky off off record i don't want to go down that path Ooh. all right uh thanks for listening until next week keep hooping keep hooping when it was erupting you're now listening to super they a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game. Super Hooper! Can you say Super Hooper! That's what you say, bro. We just form a fucking Super Hooper! I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Super Hooper! That's tough.